0: It's that time of the week. It is a Finance Friday here on Auburn O'Block this morning with our own Lindsey Crosby of Mid-South Bank. What's our topic this week? Well, the big thing everyone's talking about right now is inflation. And mm-hmm. so... A lot of it. Yeah. How do you measure it? So, like, how are they figuring out what the amount of inflation we have is? And then how is inflation showing up in the economy in ways that you, we don't realize? Ooh, like invisible inflation. Invisible inflation. The double I, if you will. What's not? The I squared. That's fine. Okay. So, all right. We so, all have two eyes. so. Most of us. Most Most people have two most I's. Most people right? have two. Yeah. yeah, every now and then something happens. All right, so, obviously, inflation is a huge concern for the economy. It's really just a fancy name for prices going up. And when most people hear inflation, they picture the worst-case scenario, like the inflationary spiral. Uh, prices rapidly spiraling out of control. A latte goes from $4 to $10 to 50 and... You know That's going to cause massive damage to people's savings and the entire economy, but that's not what we're seeing here. So we're seeing mostly relatively modest price increases in just about every sector of the economy, but very visible spikes in prices in certain areas. Uh, and so the question is, like, how do, we, how do they calculate inflation? Okay. Uh, and it's measured through something we call the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. Uh, it's one of the most important indicators for the entire economy. And it's a measure of everything that we buy. Uh, we've been measuring it since 1913, and it's all keyed to a two-year period from 1982 to 1984. Mm-hmm. So like when somebody says the CPI is 225 right now, that means it's a hun- prices have gone up 125% since that two-year period from 1982 to 1984. Uh, when you report it, you report as a percentage change in whatever that quoted period is, uh, monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever. And they just reported uh, the yearly inflation, and it dropped like a stone in the river. Uh, The rate of inflation at the beginning of June was 5.4%, meaning prices were up 5.4% in May of 2021 compared to May of 2020. Yikes. That's a big jump, yeah. Yeah. That's the fastest prices have have risen in a one-year period since 2008. Uh, Now – there are some caveats you have to point out here. Like last May was a brutal time for the economy, so prices may have been artificially low last year. Mm-hmm. But the fact remains that like 5.4% is really high. It's a big jump. Yeah, and most people have one of two questions when they hear that. Um, one question is like, should we be freaking out about that? And the other question is, well, how do they even get that figure? So I'm going to cover the first one, but I'm really here to answer the second one. Okay. Uh, the process itself is actually really secretive. Like this day, because this data has to be above suspicion. Like we have to trust this data. And this information has the possibility of moving the stock market when it's announced. And so, like famously, even the president doesn't find out what's going on in the report until at the earliest the night before. And usually the day the report comes out, the president gets briefed about it that morning. Hmm. Like they keep it a secret. Um, But pretty much what they do. Is they track the prices of very specific goods and services every month for years at a time. Uh, The document's a 600-page document, and it covers 80,000 items. And it's very, very specific. Like, there is a product code for unsalted block butter. There's a product code for salted block butter. Mm -hmm. There's a product code for unsalted butter sold in four sticks. There's a product code for organic butter. Like, it's very, very specific. They combine... This monthly, um, this monthly data with thousands of surveys about consumer spending habits, how we're spending our money. And they used to always get the, that price information by going to actual stores all across the country and checking off lists of exact products. But COVID kind of messed that up a bit, and so they do a lot of phone calls. Mm-hmm. They call a business. They have certain businesses that have certain products, and they call them every month, hey, we're doing the CPI um, price index check. I need to find out the price of, the, of these socks, and it's like white socks. Okay, but these socks have to be – like they're knee-length socks. There's a certain blend of cotton to – The Chicago Carolina. white socks? That's, that's them, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like they have to be over the knee. They have to be all these different features, moisture wiki and everything, and they get the price. Uh, they do it for services too. So they do it for, like, the cost of daycare. They do it for the cost of a wedding mm-hmm. and all of that. And everything that Americans typically buy in a month is averaged out into what they call a basket. It's just a collection of goods and services that's representative of what the average household spends. It's a very fitting name, Yep, a basket. This is your basket of goods and services. Okay. And everything has a certain percentage in that basket. So, like, housing is 30% of that basket. So as you see, like rents go up, or you see the average mortgage payment mortgage payment goes up, mm. that raises the basket. It has right. a big impact on the basket: food, daycare, all of that. But sometimes you can have the weighting of a specific good or service in that basket really can skew the whole thing. Um, so, like right now is an awful time to try to buy a used car. Right. Shout out Zach. Sorry about that, buddy. Uh, yeah, it's coming. Right. Yeah. So, used vehicles are three percent. Of the overall basket of the consumer price index, and it's a, like, and they've they've scientifically figured out like how many people on average buy a car every year to figure out what percentage it should be, but the price of used vehicles has increased 30% over the past year, and whenever you see a giant price jump like that, what do we always explain? It's because of. Supply and demand—the mm-hmm. thing we always talk about—and right. there's a, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, that's how I know it's Friday is when you say supply and demand. Yeah, like it's yeah. not Friday till we've talked about supply and demand. Right. But like happy pro- Friday, everyone. Uh, happy Friday. We we made it. Uh, but like production of new cars is down because there's a microchip shortage. Uh, a lot of factories closed during the pandemic. Right. Uh, so that that's one factor. People got stimulus checks last year, mm-hmm. which meant they were either ready to stop delaying a purchase of a car or they accelerated their plans to buy a car. To last year. And then car rental companies, a lot of them sold off their fleets last year to save money because they pay monthly on all those cars. If they can't rent cars out, they're losing money. So they sold the fleets off and now they're trying to replace them. So used vehicles are 3% of the index, but the price of used vehicles went up 30% over the past year. So those two factors together mean that 1% of that 5.4% inflation is just the cost of used cars. Even though those of us who didn't Wait, buy... Wait, how much of that is just because of used cars? 1%. Because it's... That's pre- crazy. Yeah. But those of us who didn't buy a used car did not actually experience that 1% and higher cost. Ooh. So the measure is skewed because the people who did have to buy a used car got fleeced right. because prices are up so much. Because most people haven't bought a used car in the past year. Exactly. Yeah, right. and. And the good news is, for folks like you who have to buy a used car sometime soon, is the, yes. the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index just came out. And there was a 1.3% decrease in the overall price of used cars. Starting to level out a little bit. From May to June. Yeah, starting to level out. And so you know when the Fed's looking at some of these indicators and they see small recent decreases in prices, that helps them figure out what to do with interest rates. There's an outsized impact being given by them to areas like used cars because we can clearly point to – this is why the price increased, and we can see the market beginning to correct itself, so they're kind of extrapolating from that to get a picture of the economy at large um, it's really it's just it's really interesting, like the argument on the other side is wages have been rising, and so that can drive inflation because now more people can afford to buy a car, which drives the prices up. Um, so the longer run view is we we need to get a proper picture of this, but we have to wait for some of like the leases for commercial property um, to roll off in 12 or 18 months once that market stabilized to see if rent increases, match wage increases. Um, We have to wait for some of these used car purchases that data to roll off so that we can get a better picture of what inflation actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll get a little six to 12-month reprieve on that rate. But there's another place where businesses are secretly slipping in inflation, and I'll tell you about that, After the break. Finance Friday continues in just a moment. Finance Friday continues on here on Auburn Opelika this morning with our own Lindsey Crosby of Mid-South Bank. All right. We're talking inflation. Yep. The The sneaky, invisible inflation, the I squared, if you will. Mm -hmm. I won't, but okay. Uh, So my my kids love cinnamon check cereal. Who doesn't? It's made by General Mills. My son calls it square cereal. Like, I want square cereal, and that's what he means. That checks out? Yep. (laughs) Oh! Got him! Got him. And he'll eat it for dinner multiple days a week if you let him. Right. And so, like, because of that, there are six boxes of uh, cinnamon checks in my house right now. (laughs) Got it. And we're worried that we don't have enough. Uh Uh-huh. We go through at least, like, one box per week per child. And so I'm always looking for deals on square cereal. Uh, Like, what dollar off, two dollars off, or even uh, a BOGO. And recently, I noticed something interesting. I was at an unnamed grocery store the other day, no okay. free pub, right. and I was grabbing multiple boxes to put in my cart, because no joke, we buy like eight at a time. right? Uh, two of the boxes I was holding were different sizes. It was They were both the family size box, but one of them was 19.3 ounces. The other one was 18.1 ounces. Okay. I took them up front, scanned them. They were all the same price. General Mills had changed the amount of food in the box, and they were charging the same price for almost 10% less cereal. Interesting. Yep. Economists have a name for this. They call it shrinkflation. It's where companies shrink the size of the product while charging the same. Uh, it's always been a thing. They used to always call it um, downsizing, but I think shrink- shrinkflation just works more because it's a better explainer for uh, what the term that's is. That's a clever name for sure. Yeah, shrinkflation. Yeah. Um, and it you know, it's, Like I said, always been a thing, but lately we've seen more instances where companies are not only shrinking the size of the product, but they're also increasing the cost. And like we've seen that consumers are very, we're very price sensitive, but we're not very weight sensitive. Uh, The whole thing started with vending machine companies. So like apparently when, when, uh, when companies wanted to like, when manufacturers wanted to change. Uh, the price of like candy bars and stuff in vending machines or sodas in vending machines, the vending machines companies, you know, convince them instead, why don't you make the package a little bit smaller? Because now we don't have to go in and change the vending machine to accept different combinations of coins. Got it. Back when it was all mechanical versus computerized. And so, you know, that's kind of where it came from. But companies do this for the same reason that they're willing to raise a price, like they want to combat a rising business cost and it works out because we're like I said we're price conscious we're usually not weight, weight conscious it's still inflation you're still getting less product for your money than you were before the change it's just harder for people to track and if we were the the rational creatures that that economic theories assume we are we'd be watching for it and we wouldn't fall for it but we're not rational creatures in the market we're more gullible than the than the models assume and mm. we're more sensitive to price changes like think about rice okay Rice is sold by weight. You buy like a pound of rice. Okay. But how exact is that pound? If some company took 25 grains of rice out of every bag, you wouldn't notice. Right. But they'd save thousands of pounds of rice over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. And so when faced with the rising input costs, like shrinkflation is a really <clears throat> attractive option. Um, anyway, back to the square cereal, I went looking for validation that I was not crazy. I'm like, is this just me or is this actually a thing? So I found some people online that track shrinkflation because if there's a thing that exists there are people on the internet that care a lot about it. Correct. Yeah. So I found a statement from General Mills that addressed the change in cereal sizes and I'm going to re- and the change they say is all about creating consistency and standardization across the cereal products. They say, quote, that this allows more efficient truck loading leading to fewer trucks on the road and fewer gallons of fuel used, which is important in both reducing global emissions as well as offsetting increased costs associated with inflation. In I bet they care more about one of those things than the other. Yeah. The, they're saying they made the cereal boxes smaller to save the planet or something? And also save money. Yeah, that, that's it. The, the money doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, there's more. Sharman put out a statement recently that defended smaller rolls of toilet paper, and I'm not even joking, by claiming that, quote, innovations in toilet tissue technology... End quote, essentially let people wipe themselves more efficiently. Hmm. I guess we're better at using toilet paper, so we don't need as much of it. Interesting. Yeah. Toblerone was really n- noticeable. They actually, back in 2014, like if you've seen a Toblerone bar, you pull it out and it's got what, it's supposed to replicate the Swiss, the Swiss mountains and they increase the space between the mountains on each bar. And so you were getting less chocolate per bar for the same price, mm. and it was such like such a big thing that they actually reversed the decision because they were getting so much flack over you know cutting out by a quarter how much chocolate you were getting in your Toblerone. I've never heard of a Toblerone. It's a it's a candy bar. Look it up. Okay, it's a fancy thing, um, but like this happens all over the economy. This happens with. With everything from like, like bowling alleys, bowling alleys can adjust how long it takes to get the ball to return to you, which can slow down the pace of play uh, to lower the wear on the products. This can happen with, with obviously, with um, you know prices for events. Like therapy appointments apparently used to be 55 minutes. Now therapy appointments are 50 minutes. Hmm. You think therapy got cheaper? No. Probably not. Doctor's visits. You, you don't think about shrinkflation happening there, but how often do you see the actual doctor versus how often do you see a physician's assistant right. or a nurse practitioner? Right. You know, So like that's not a, the kind of standard thing you would think of as shrinkflation because the package hasn't gotten smaller, but the qualifications of the person that you see have theoretically gone down a little bit. So shrinkflation can take place all over the economy, and like, really it's just pay attention to how much and how heavy your groceries are, folks. If people need any kind of help with any financial service, Lindsey Crosby, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? Any financial service at all. Uh, It is, I am at Mid-South Bank, 519 East East Glenn Avenue in Auburn, or you can call me at 334-521-6009.